your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. So now it is our special treat to bring you our first guest spot right over a year actually a year to the date from our inaugural recording we have our first actual guest spot by uh one of our northwestern uh, contributors uh mnw how you doing do we still have you hello yo These are going to be less fun outtakes than ones that we've had in the past. Where like a dog fight breaks out in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, or we just get woofed at. Hey, no, seriously, though, where'd you go? He says his phone crashed. Oh, <laughs> he's in the meeting twice now. How does this work? Oh, that works a lot better. Well, son of a bitch, I should have just used my laptop all along here. I was trying to use a, a USB and my phone and, or my old oh. phone. And... Oh yeah, I, I should have told you this works much, much, much better from a computer. No, no problem. Glad we, <laughs> glad we got it figured out. Oh my god, that is worlds better. That is, uh, wow. All right, yeah, you guys sound better as well too. So I'm, I'm glad we did this. Okay. Uh, yes, it's better. Like our tones haven't been dulcet the whole damn time. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway. strong like I don't know <laughs> I, I somehow feel like it is but I also wanted to move a little bit closer to you we've got we're on each side of a microphone here and yeah. uh, sometimes the balance uh, can be adjusted in post-production but sometimes we can just adjust it manually by physically moving the microphone. Yeah, sometimes I mumble and sometimes Steve has not what you would call an inside voice as you may have noticed <laughs> if you've listened so. <laughs> so we basically just compensate by putting it like six inches away from me and that sounds like we're both the same distance away from me. <laughs> Love it. Our very own MNW is here to talk about, is the Big Ten any good? What do you think? I mean, can we just say that the Big Ten East is good and I, we can be really depressed, Thump, and, and have you and I just deal with the fact that it's going to let Ohio State fans and Penn State fans and Michigan State fans be insufferable as always? Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of more or less is the, the thing. We had div divisions that weren't based on geography earlier and... It didn't work for so many reasons. Excuse you, sir. Just because your team never made it to the conference title game as winner of the leaders division, immortal and greatest of the divisions, second only to legends, perhaps, doesn't mean that those divisions are, doesn't mean anything wrong with those, all right? Because that's, you know, two-time legend division champion Michigan State to you. Who was in the Legends I don't even remember who was in the Legends division at this point. It was, it was Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, the M's, the N's, I and P. The M's, yeah, the so N's, North, yes. so Purdue and Northwestern. Yeah, I think that was it because it was only it was six and six back then. All I remember was it was the the where is Wisconsin division and, and the why is Wisconsin Wisconsin here right. division. Yeah. <laughs> and really, we'll see if the Big Ten East is even that good or if it's just Ohio State. We'll see that this weekend. I think Penn State's going to be right there, even if they lose to Ohio State pretty badly. Um, but you know, you you mentioned something. M and W about Michigan State fans being insufferable. Man, I don't know any Spartan fans right now who are convinced our team is any good. A two-score win over Indiana when you needed a pick six and a fake field goal option to get that two-score margin. I hasn't really convinced anybody, at least not that I've talked to. 
You know, as far as I go with that, I figure it's just I'm going to give you the benefit of mentioning you third in the East as opposed to mentioning Michigan third in the East. <laughs> I said last year or last week, I think that MSU is kind of playing for the bronze in the East now. I don't think we're – I mean, if they play the way that they did this last weekend against Penn State in two weeks, there's going to be blood everywhere. It's going to be bad. But, you know, speaking from a general proposition, though – I think last week's results tell us again that Wisconsin, once again, remains champion. Who in the West is going to dethrone them now? Because the one team that seemed to be good enough to do it just lost to them at home. Well, and again, you can't count out November Northwestern because they're still a month away. Yeah. Oh, man. We just, the news came out today about Jeremy Larkin having retired. That just sucks. You know, I wrote more about it for, for my piece that I do on Thursday, just surveying the landscape, but it's... I, I'm genuinely happy for the guy. I, you know, we, it, it gets more, you know, to use the word problematic. It gets more and more problematic each year to watch college football, right? Yeah, yeah. And this, the the guy is going to get. He's going to be a student coach for the next two and a half years. He is going to have his health. He is going to have a Northwestern degree when it's all said and done. I mean, and he's not going to have something where one of my friends was telling me that if you know he takes one hit the wrong way, we're talking paralysis. I mean, yeah. what, what more do you want me to do? I'm happy that the kid is healthy. I don't think you can look at it really any other way. And there was one mouth breather at, uh, on a different, different blog saying, oh, well, this saves Fitz and Mc, you know, Mick McCall's bacon. If, you, if that's your thought on this whole matter, fuck you. That's, you know, this guy is. Yeah, that's not, that's not at all what's important here. Like, exactly. People forget that they're, they're people. Like, I try really hard not to rag on any of the individual student athletes too much because they've got – they got no skin in the game. They're, they're doing all of this work for really just for their dream, which just happens to be my interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, trying to separate and compartmentalize the two, you know, Fitz, you know, will always beat his chest and, you know, eat a raw egg or whatever he does and yell next man up. And, you know, this is a one and two team that's lost to Duke and Akron at home. You know, what are you, what are you supposed to do? At this point, there, you know, John Moten, the John Moten is the next guy up in the backfield, and he's a capable, you know, a capable slasher of a runner. I'll miss Larkin kind of, you know, with his ability between the tackles, but on the whole, I'm not, you know, saying lost season yet, but like Thump mentioned, it's really just waiting for November Northwestern to kick in. Otherwise, it's, you know, who, who the fuck cares? All right. So, enough depressing talk about the Big Ten and our miserable conference. Let's talk something more fun. Let's talk Mac. Um, the, the Jolly Roger of the Mac flying all over the place multiple times at Rutgers. What do you think about the Mac this season? I mean, is there a revolution upon us where maybe, for one thing, are we going to have to reconsider whether or not to make them the money games because we're losing so many of them? <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be a Sunbelt Rifice? Well, no, no, not given Troy. God. No, we, we want the SEC version of the mag. No, I don't think so. So, is it gonna? Oh, is it gonna be a meacrifice now? Yeah. Well, you know, and non-conference season is gonna wrap up in another week or two here, and then what we'll have to do, if nobody else on the blog beats to it, is total up exactly how much money Big Ten schools paid Mac schools this year to come into their stadiums and beat them. It's gotta be five million dollars by now, doesn't it? I mean, most oh. of those guarantees are at least a million. This year alone, probably, right? That's and to say that at in Northern Illinois, Nebraska last year, and yeah, it's... Well, I mean, Akron got, Akron got two Big Ten dates, as did Kent State. Like, some of these guys are double-dipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was just talking about the wins. I mean, yeah, if, you talk, wins, if, yeah. if you want to talk about the ones where teams come in and make you more anxious than they should, yeah, just look up the entire history of MSU in Western Michigan, but... Um, 
Yeah, from, this is from a win perspective. <laughs> but from a survivor of a 2016 loss to them, how glad are you that you ducked them that year? Yeah, <laughs> you definitely, just definitely. To duck that team. The, the Cotton Bowl, right? Hurricane Fleck. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, he's not the insurance well, you just laugh, you laugh and move on at this point, right? That's one of the one of the issues with the Mac that I'm having is that you look at what you know the Mac West grades out right below. I think it, I was looking at Sagarin earlier today, and it was something like the Mac West is up there in in conversation at the very least with um you know with the American with both divisions of the American with the Mountain West, but the Mac East, which which really is you know the people who have claimed some of those scalps, Buffalo, Akron, what have you, the Mac East isn't really good. And I think that while Buffalo is a really great story, you know, not wanting to be, you know, bitter Northwestern fan here, which is redundant in a number of ways, Akron required three second half defensive touchdowns to beat Northwestern. So while we should still laugh and point at Northwestern because they deserve it, I think that there is a little bit of kind of that luck dragging the the Mac East back to back to reality. So you might have programs like like Toledo who looks to be honest, I mean, they have a home loss to Miami. Toledo's not bad. Eastern Michigan went on the road and got a got a narrow win at Purdue. I don't think you can sneeze at that. Central's a disaster. But, you know, the MAC West, I think, top to bottom is, is decent. And, and it looks like Buffalo is going to emerge from the from the MAC East. But, you know, you, I guess you don't count on Frank, Frank Solich on the ability to just bore everybody to death and somehow emerge as like a Seven and five, five and three team out of out of the Mac. Yeah, more show up in Detroit. Uh, over the last about ten years or so, it's pretty much been outside of the Dino Babers Bowling Green years. Um, oh, and uh, the the Dave Clawson one as well. Yeah. It's pretty much just been a team from the Mac West steamrolls everybody, um, or a couple of teams from the Mac West duke it out. You had, of course, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. It's been Toledo in recent years. Do you see that changing? Do you see anybody in the East that you think can actually overtake what now is Toledo's uh, mantle as, you know, the max top, top gun? Well, you know, I think the the answer to that really has to be Buffalo, doesn't it? That's, I mean, Lance Leipold for, you know, as much as we, we might have mocked or kind of been skeptical about a D3 coach coming to, not big time, but coming to, you know, coming to, to, to no, relative, D- no, relative to D three, no, you can it, go ahead yeah, and say it is big time. I mean, even it's the Mac, a big, big leap. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, hell, what Tyree Jackson is doing for the for the Bulls? I mean, that's the 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 ball that he threw. I think that that was the second the second Buffalo touchdown. I mean, he put it. It was forty two yards on a dime back shoulder to the basically to the front pylon of the end zone. I they should have reviewed it. I thought he was down to the one, but I mean, that quarterback can throw the ball around a little bit, and if you know. If Buffalo has kind of turned a corner because they have, there's, I think there's some luck there as well. They had what one score wins over, God, I want to say Temple and Eastern Michigan, maybe. Yes, I mean, that was that was exactly it. So they're not setting the world on fire. You know, you beat both of those schools by seven, but they put up points in both of those games. They, you know, they sure look like they can score, and in the, you know, in the MAC, half the time that's enough. I mean, uh, Ohio will drag them into a 28-24 game, and with the rest of it, I think they can score on Kent Bowling. Uh, you know, Kent Bowling, Akron, Miami, Ohio. Uh, Buffalo might be a team that could kind of, you know, show up standing. And they got left out of a bowl at six and six last year. So they're kind of one of those feel-good stories that maybe we should have seen coming a little bit since they were already bowl eligible a year ago. So who who do you think is going to, when you come here to Detroit, <laughs> you accompany us to the MAC title game at historic Ford Field? Uh, who do you think we're going to see there? 
boy, you know, I look at Buffalo's schedule, and that's the one. I want to say that we would see Buffalo there and probably against Toledo, although Toledo's got a sneaky game again at Fresno this weekend. I guess that doesn't matter for Max standing. So, Yeah, the, the rest of the West really has not looked all that great. Western Michigan um, it doesn't, defense has fallen it, off. Yeah, really Northern doesn't. Illinois isn't as strong as years past. I don't think Rod Carey is the next uh, of those Power 5 pipeline of coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I guess I would say either Buffalo or Ohio comes out of it. And what's really exciting is that Buffalo plays at Ohio on the 14th um, of November on a Wednesday, you know, Wednesday night All match. Right. I think that one decides the East, it, you know, in the West, shit, flip a coin. I mean, Toledo has to go to um, Eastern and Western and has to go to Northern Illinois. And that's, that's brutal, I guess, by Mac standards. And, you know, you don't just walk into the factory and win on a Tuesday night and, <laughs> well, you could have just stopped halfway through that sentence. Nobody walks into the factory. <laughs> People trundle into the factory. People shuffle into the factory. Well, they also, I guess they march into the factory from that one end zone, but that depends on. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm never going to be invited on this again, am I? <laughs> sounds, sounds good. See you for the Maxian Chip game in December then. All right. So, <laughs> so, you know, the other thing is like, we're. We share a love for for those teams that, like, you know, the mainstream college football media won't talk about because there's just not that much money in, you know, covering the Buffaloes of the world. Uh, who are the other teams that are kind of flying below the radar that are much more interesting stories than uh, Alabama's a Death Star again? Mm-hmm. Well, that was, and that's again kind of a preview of what I what I'm going to talk about on Thursdays. There's just no excitement for me this. I mean, and partially because Northwestern's terrible, but there's no excitement for me this year in what what's happening. You have the two SEC schools, and LSU is going to come back to earth at some point. And then I just I would rather watch something like a game that's going to be on not this Saturday but next Saturday when Hawaii hosts Wyoming. That's that's fun. Give me something stupid. And Hawaii is one that we've talked about in part because they play that early that August, uh, whatever it was, 25th or 24th game at Colorado State. Week zero. Yeah, the week zero game. Oh, just Chuck Sterone. I mean, they don't give a shit. It's just Cole McDonald who has completed like two-thirds of his passes on the year and has like, I think it's almost 12 yards an attempt. No, that can't be right. It's got to be like 10 yards an attempt. Uh, but he's got 20 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, that's those are stupid numbers. And John Arsua is a great story. He's that big play threat that they have. I mean, you, they gave up 21 points to Duquesne over the weekend who had to fly to Hawaii for the game. But hell yeah, bring it on. Like Hawaii is playing genuinely fun football that, that you need to like make one day where you just set out time and I'm going to be awake at 11 p.m. You know, on, the Eastern, uh, on Eastern time, damn it, and I'm going to watch Hawaii. Um, it's actually a former Hawaii quarterback, Nick Rolovich, that has basically revived what was a program that they thought they were going to shut down uh, to the point where now it's actually come back in the same way that Hawaii came to prominence by slinging the ball everywhere. Yeah, by being an impossible team to prepare for both travel-wise and scheme-wise, even for teams that play them pretty frequently. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, that, that was exactly the point that they brought back the run and shoot. And really the only thing that's tripped him up so far is one of the other teams that I, I don't know if we would have been talking about were it not for last week. But, you know, quietly, Army is 2-2. Two and two, And you have to say that Army hasn't looked that bad. Um, 
their wins are their wins are against Liberty at home, and then they had Hawaii at home, where Hawaii had to play at something like six a.m. for um, them, yeah, for their body, you know, for their body clocks, which we know are all important in college football. But they have a loss at Duke, who I will put on my Homer Northwestern hat here and say Duke's not that bad, guys. Um, <laughs> but then you know that loss at Oklahoma last week in overtime. They've got a schedule that, again, I mean, you can see a really easy route there to, to eight, nine wins. That's, you know, Jeff Munkin just might be doing it again. And I think Army is one who, you know, when, when things kind of shake out at the end of the season, you know, I, can you really pick against the, you know, they're a team you really feel bad picking against and, and who is just such a fun kind of old school throwback to watch. Yeah, I'm going to make Thump come across the table at me with this one, but having seen a couple of their games early on in the season, Missouri is a lot of fun to watch, man. Uh, Drew Locke's a hell of a quarterback. They have a fun system to watch. They play very little defense whatsoever. They're kind of a – honestly, it feels like the way they've gotten back to a little bit of success here is to go back to what they were in the Big 12. The Big 12. Well, mm-hmm. in the SEC. Now, it's, it gets them mashed occasionally when they run up against a team like Georgia, which they did last week. But they still put some points on the board against a pretty good Georgia defense, put some fear in the heart of that fan base about their long-term viability because, well, we gave up points to Mizzou. Yeah, well, look at the way Mizzou plays and the totals they put up on the scoreboard. They're fun to watch. And they do actually play a little bit of defense. I mean, <laughs> I mean as opposed to a traditional actual Big 12 team, it's, you know, they're not like Texas Tech defensively. They're going to put up some resistance. And the game they had with Purdue was probably, for my money, the best game I've seen yet this year. Yeah, you may be right on that one. And that's, you know – figuring out just that tiny bit of defense, like you said, I mean, that's in that SEC East that is supposedly, you know, wide open after Georgia. I mean, that's who's to say that Mizzou couldn't, you know, couldn't pull something off like a six and two and kind of wind up in one of those, one of those decent bowl games at the end of the, uh, at the end of the season. I'll tell you who's to say that me because Missouri's trash. Well, that's, you know, I, I think I told you guys that I was in, I spent about a week and a half in Carbondale, Illinois last week, and I really never appreciated civilization <laughs> and there were people down there you know it's you saw some people wearing Illini shirts some people wearing Mizzou shirts and I I just felt profoundly sad the entire time that I was there and I never thought I would feel that way so you say you were in Carbondale and there are people wearing shirts <laughs> and a couple of them even had two buried the lead there <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely visit Tom. I've, I've never visited I never will but I've heard I hear good I hear good things from people I you know, know. The drive-in, you, you looked at it and you thought, oh, there's some places to go hiking here. It's, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If I can sneak in one more team, too, that we have to talk about. Oh, yeah. Go that, right is put up, that is put up 46, 58, 44, and 47. And one of those uh, totals was on an SEC defense. I, I will tell you about the North Texas Mean Green. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, oh, Lutt- yeah. Seth Luttrell has shit cooking there. And Mason Fine, the quarterback who is throwing it, I mean, he's looking, I don't want to say, you know, Cole McDonald-esque numbers, but I think he's got 10 TDs to an interception. With Latrell's whole thing is to, you know, spread it out, air it out, and just chuck it around a little bit. And it's really looking like things are coming together in Denton. They had that just pasting 44-17 of Arkansas. And they play in CUSA, which outside of Florida Atlantic kind of lurking there, who is anybody, you know, are you afraid of La Tech? UTEP's trash. UAB is, I don't know, I didn't know they had still had a program. Rice, Old Dominion, I mean, that's, you could have, I think that's an easy, you know, seven-win seven win conference schedule. If not, who knows? They could be waltzing into their conference championship undefeated, and we could be talking about whether or not they get or they should be getting some consideration for a New Year's Six Bowl. I guess I don't think – North Texas has never sniffed the AP poll, have they? 
Oh God, no, there's no way. I would, I would not think so. The only thing I remember about uh, North Texas, and this is only because I am a fantasy football deviant, is uh, Lance Dunbar coming out of there, putting out. Every now and then, you get one a mid-major running back. Well, like a Devin Singletary last year, that just you know on 40 carries a game puts up 300 <laughs> rushes a game, and then maybe gets a cup a cup of coffee on a practice squad and throws. Lance Dunbar, I feel like he like bounced around in the Cowboys depth chart for a few years. No, he's been playing for the Cowboys forever. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. had an eye on him in case the Cowboys actually <laughs> got hurt, but he never actually panned out and turned into anything useful. But well, all right. So that being said, let's uh, let's pivot back to our sidebar here. This is, of course, um, Off Talk Empire, a production of Hustle Belt. And so before we let our guest contributor go, let's get uh, thoughts from you on your good old alma mater's meeting this weekend with uh, the Meat Chicken Wolverines. How are you feeling? Do I have to? That's, God damn it. I mean, I had I drank a whole beer just in anticipation for this because I wanted to at least approach some sort of intoxication level, right? I felt like I could talk about this. Not to watch the game, just to talk about it five days ahead of time. Jesus Christ. That's, that, tells you how good, to, that tells you how good M&W's feel. <laughs> it's, I, look, it, Clayton Thorson isn't going to stay upright. And the guy, I mean, it was there was at least something to be said last year when he had some mobility still and could get out and scamper a little bit. I mean, it was still kind of lumbering, but he, with his knee the way it is and with Northwestern, really kind of pivoting to these pro-style quarterbacks like, like T.J. Green, I mean, the Michigan defensive line is going to is going to eat them alive if they if they turn in anything close to the performances that they did against Duke and Akron. Um, you know, maybe it's an all hands on deck thing, and and John Moten surprises. I'm not really holding out hope for this one. About the only thing that I think you may have some success with is if you have that quick hitting pass game, such that you can put the I mean, kind of neutralize the pass rush. We've seen Northwestern do that before, certainly. I mean, I remember a certain game last year where it worked to brilliant success. So. We'll see um, if you get a Mick McCall gem or Mick McCall typical. <laughs> he's got to have one coming at this point, right? Yeah, you know, it feels like he's got one cooking up. I'd really prefer you go ahead and get that out this weekend instead of next. I'll tell you what, um, my dog, who is just an incredibly empathetic creature, just like sensed how you were feeling and uh, jogged in here with a, with, a, with a treat and tried to give it to you, but she couldn't, she didn't know where you were, so she just kind of brandished it um, so, you know, from, from hundreds of miles away, she can, she can feel your pain. And I've got a cat crying outside my door, demanding to be let in on this call. So I think that, that makes two pets who sense what the hell is wrong with us. No cats. <laughs> what more can be said? All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, a year to the date, we finally get a guest speaker on. Um, been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys. Someday I'll get, I'll get Graham to nuke this off the site too. So it's here's hoping. And yeah. we will see you just for the Mac title game. Just you the wait Mac till, title game. I can't wait. You wait till find out that we're still talking about Rutgers, contrary to company policy. That's I. Mean, I if you do. I if you do. I will nuke this podcast off the site so fast your head will spin. So let's talk about. Uh, there will be better slates of games than the ones this weekend. Uh, yeah, fortunately. This is not going to take all that long for us to get through everything just to roll. Yeah. All right. So fortunately, this isn't going to take us that long to get through everything because there's a grand total of five games. This is uh, vacation week, apparently. Everybody's got to go up, close the cottage for the season, get to the cider mill, uh, maybe do shopping for Halloween costumes. So five you gotta, teams. You got to go up to the lake house. You got to take the boat out. 
Um, well, you, well, yeah, yeah. Put 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 the boat into storage, right? And then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe venture, go shooting or something. I'm gonna venture a take that may end up costing us some listeners, but we're never afraid to fire off the hot takes on this program. Uh, boats are trash. Uh, if you own a boat, you're dumb. What you want to do is get a friend who has a boat, and then you can get on the boat two or three times in the summer, enjoy a boat, and then not have to own a boat. <laughs> we, we had a boat sitting out. You remember when we... Andrew helped me move into this house. Yeah, there was a and, boat in yeah, there was a boat, and like it was such a shitty boat that I don't know if she was able to... I think she ended up... Our landlord ended up giving it away. I mean, it was probably made of tin or something. You could but, scrap it, I guess. But <laughs> but the trailer, which was a much higher quality item, sat in our backyard for a good four months before it finally got sold. Anyway, enough about the things that are going on in my house. Yeah, uh, so Michigan, we, I guess. The state of Michigan is going to kick you out for that boat take, by the way. Man, like I give a shit. I don't know. Boat. I don't have property up north. I don't have a boat. I'm not doing wealthy suburban Detroit resident properly anyway. So How many, how many guns do you have? Are you strapped right now? I'm wearing gym shorts, so yes, I'm strapped, well, but all I've got is the You know, Macomb mm. County is right over there. All I have is the 9mm, because I'm wearing gym shorts, so yeah. I'm like, you know, can't open carry and... Well, and, you gotta protect your family, Andrew. I gotta protect my hound dog. From... Andrew, intent, from Andrew. From the intense waves of crime out here in Oakland County. Anyway, so... So five teams on buys this week. Maryland, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. Y'all are taking the week off. Tune out right here, because we got nothing for you. Yeah, Minnesota and Iowa, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Illinois, um, please find a way to beat Rutgers. And uh, Wisconsin and Maryland, just do whatever. Soak it in, man. You earned it. Take a break. Kick your feet up. Relax. Look, if you're Wisconsin, clearly any idea of you being challenged for the division this year, that's gone. So even with the BYU loss putting you on a really thin margin of error if you're still thinking about the playoff, and in terms of making it back to Indianapolis, you're in fine shape. You got nothing to work on. Uh, Maryland, you got to be feeling pretty good as well. Um, convincing cross-divisional win over Minnesota. You now have time to look ahead to. I believe Michigan would be their next opponent. I mean, to be fair to Wisconsin, okay, if you were told that your assignment was to scheme to stop Squally Canada, would you spend more or less than half of the time allotted you for this task trying Please. to find out... <laughs> How exactly his name became as such. Yeah, you, you might look into that and then you might hit up Fortnite for a little bit instead of, you know, watching films. So, understandably so. To get into the games we have next week, though, four conference matchups. But before we get to that, we'll get into what I'm really hoping is going to be a quickly ended game. Central Michigan coming to MSU. Central Michigan is bad. Yeah, which is a little surprising. I mean, they've never been a great team, but they've they're usually okay. But the main reason we've got to talk about this game is to talk about what Central Michigan did this past weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, they put up a f or no, they they, they put up a foomf. Yep, they got a foomf. They 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 foomfed the University of Maine, which was is to it? say that yeah, it was not to seventeen say to five. Yeah. Doesn't matter who they foomfed. The fact is, they foomfed somebody. And yeah. it is the most elite of scores. And probably pretty unusual, too. I wonder if 17-5 has scoregami. There's a good chance it would be. I didn't think to check, but the margin on the line on this game tells me that Vegas odds makers refuse to learn about Michigan State and setting betting lines. I mean, I guess they know more than I do about getting action going on a game. If that's what you have to get to give people to, you know, to get interested in this, so be it. But MSU is not going to cover that spread. They're going to do what they have done every game this year, what they have tried to do for the past decade, which is, we're going to prove that we can run the ball even if you know it's coming. 
And here's the thing, regardless of what happens here, it's a terrible idea. If it works, that's reinforcement for this coaching staff that their plan has been brilliant all along and they just need to stick to it and be stubborn even more. If it doesn't work, it's not gonna convince them to change their minds and they'll have proven they're unable to run the ball against a bad Mac team. So either way, I just wanna see him throw, get an early lead and then put the backups in. Then you can dick around with whatever schematic preferences you want. Get a big lead first, please, that's all I want. Are you sure that you don't want them to go into halftime seven to seven having thrown the ball only five times and just make sure that, just so that Mark D'Antonio can make sure that on his epitaph, when he dies, it reads, here lies Mark D'Antonio, he established the run. God, <laughs> that, is a game, that is exactly what's going to happen. So 28 and a half point damn. spread, I wouldn't touch that with your money. No, no, stay away from that game. It really shouldn't be a challenge for MSU to win at home. It better not be a challenge for MSU to win at home, because then after that... I wouldn't touch that with Graham's money. I would touch that with Graham's money. Um, I would touch that with his campaign contributions, but that, probably but <laughs> that might be a little bit of a problem later. I'm sure that won't come back to haunt him. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this should not be a game. It should be over before it begins. I'm sure we'll let them hang around. Hell, why not pass halftime? Let's make this more stressful than it needs to be in the one week outside of Rutgers remaining on the schedule. That should be an easy win. Let's keep it interesting. Why not? Speaking of Rutgers, God, why do we spend so much of our time talking about this god-awful Big East-ass program? Um, they host Indiana. I believe yeah, Indiana line, going on the road to play a mid-major. Getting, I think, a 17-point spread here. Um, I, think, I think I took Indiana to cover it. Uh, I think the Hoosiers... I took all the favorites to cover this weekend without even a second thought. Yeah. Central Michigan is turbo bad. At 28 points, though, man, it, that's a lot. That's a, we, well, I mean, you realize if we get to Central 20, Michigan, it makes a lot of mistakes passing the ball. You realize if we get to 21 points, we are going to shut it down, right? Like it's, but anyway. Well, I'm saying that I think that Central Michigan is going to throw you hands over touchdowns. a defensive touchdown or two. I guess that's yeah. possible. Yeah, Tony Poljan has not exactly been the next great Lansing Catholic quarterback. Referring, of course, to Cooper Rush, who is now the Cowboys' backup after being a four-year starter at Central. So that's our Central Michigan recap of the week. Um, getting back to Indiana Rutgers. Yeah, how, I mean, Indiana's coming off a loss that they had to, they have to think if they had played better, they could have won. But there's this weird animosity between the fan bases. I don't think that actually extends to the programs. But this is a game that Indiana's probably going to want to win to get their confidence back established, to make sure that they're in good position and end up bowl eligible. This game could be ugly. I don't know that that rivalry is, is going to have any sparks this week because, like, you just get... To a point where you're so defeated that you can't even, you know, any shit that gets taught to you, Rutgers fans, by Indiana fans, you pretty if much are just going to say, yeah. If your reaction is anything say? but nodding along and saying, I mean, yeah, we know, then man, you really just haven't had enough of I mean, our, our rivalry with Our rivalry with Purdue, I don't know when it's ever coming back because we went 0-2 at home against Daryl Hazel and we're just always going to have that hanging over us now. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know. This, it's almost sad. Yeah. I, I but when I say almost, I mean almost. Per Braska, this has actually been an interesting series. You have the sinking of the good ship Riker Fife <laughs> back in the day. You had the uh, the tanning of the Lee. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> last year. There's been some interesting... There's been an underrated series. For two of the more landlocked programs in the conference, yeah, there's been a lot of like Lake Superior shipping tragedy 
sort of angles to this <laughs> game. <Like. laughs> so with this priest. Um, so yeah, looking at it on the field, I mean, it is in Lincoln, but this is a field where Nebraska has been defeated pretty soundly by Troy, um, where they have chicken out of playing Akron. Although, hey, that game is now back on. That might be a bad choice, Nebraska. Akron um, is Akron. Wait. I think they did reschedule the game. Well, I know that they scheduled Bethune Cookman. Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. They couldn't. They couldn't get Akron because Akron might actually be in a conference title game at the end of the year. So they refused well, yeah, to set it. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Is that Akron? Akron's now playing bigger, too big of gigs to open for Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, man, they're going on their own tour. They don't. They don't play second fiddle to you anymore. So, looking at the substance of this game. I don't know, man. If Adrian Martinez makes substantial progress and is actually healthy, maybe we see the glimpse of Nebraska we saw in the first half of the Colorado game, which was still a, a, an error-riddled, you know, calamity. But, but at least fun to watch. But fun to watch, and they did fight back. They did almost win that game. And then, of course, if you have the Purdue defense from the first three weeks back, uh, then, yeah, then it could be pretty fun to watch. If you have whatever in the hell... They did against Boston College. Then this could be hideous for Nebraska in, in a hurry. Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, of course, you know, given that we've said all this now, what's probably going to happen is a defensive struggle. Yeah, <laughs> Nebraska, win, Nebraska <laughs> wins nine in six. Fact, if it's a zero zero, you know what this game is going to be known as, right? Poon. <laughs> the Poon game. So, speaking of which, we now have a rematch of the Moon. Game. Yeah, Michigan at Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern had, as we mentioned in the recap episode, the unfortunate news that Jeremy Larkin is retiring, effective immediately due to uh, cervical stenosis, a condition which makes it very unsafe to continue playing football. So you're now down probably your most dynamic offensive weapon. But you know what? The, the, their offense, like Larkin's success has been dependent on the run blocking, and Moten, I think would be is a, is a pretty good change of pace. Of course, the problem is that then you don't have anybody to step in for Moten. I mean, I'm sure they have other guys on the roster, but no, I mean, I think it's clearly a downgrade in the quality of the ball carrier you've got there. You do have the bye week that you just came off of. Sooner or later, we know Northwestern will improve. As I mentioned earlier, I certainly hope that they decide to postpone that improvement a couple more weeks. Uh, but Michigan is really rolling right now, and Granted, we'll see a higher quality of opponent for Michigan now than they've had the last few weeks, but I don't know that I see... I mean, what, the line on this ended up being kind of surprising. Let me take a look and see well, what here's that margin the thing. was. Michigan only beats mediocre to bad teams, and great teams don't lose to Northwestern. Well, okay, so it's a 13-point line for Michigan as a road favorite, so... That's pretty healthy. Yeah, it is, but it still feels like one. I, I think Michigan probably wins here, probably by something on the line of two to three touchdowns. Um, like probably feels, just a boat race. It feels like about the difference between, and I mean, this is easily a game where I could see Northwestern having trouble offensively, maybe not to the same degree Nebraska did, but it's probably going to look somewhat like the Western Michigan game, where they get their shots in, but not nearly enough to keep up if their defense can't hold Michigan down at all. Yeah, um... Yeah, I see Michigan winning this one convincingly. Uh, let's the talk only, about. The but other before game. we get to before we get to the last one, though, I mean, the only scenario that I could see this being interesting is Northwestern's defense has been pretty good this year. The thirty-six points from Akron involved three defensive touchdowns. Aside from that, I don't think they've given up more than twenty or twenty-one points in any game so far this year. The twenty-seven to Purdue. 
Well, right, and they had a victory, though, yeah. in a game where both teams were throwing back and forth the whole game. So maybe there's a way that Northwestern keeps the scoring low well, again, enough that they it's, win. Well, it's if Michigan gets really adorable in this one. It could very well be, but I think Harbaugh learned his lesson week one. You think Harbaugh learned a lesson? You're cute. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about... I don't know. What? Are you saying that Harbaugh is the Clayton Thorson of coaches? He's still learning. <laughs> yeah. Um... Like I said, it, the only way that that game ends up being interesting is if it's under 50 total points. If The more the more possessions there are, the more scoring there is, the more it feels like Michigan's it's going to be... Michigan's just going to start road grading it. The more point. it feels like it's going to be in Michigan's favor, yeah. So, all that being said, these four other games are really just something for you to do the rest of the day where you're waiting for the actual game you want to watch. Ohio State at Penn State, battle for the pole position in the East Division, probably pole position for the conference title and a playoff berth. Yep. What do you see in the driver's seat? And I think Ohio State has just looked more polished so far. Um, Their offense is less prone to stalling out than is Penn State's. I think that although Penn State, you know, sliced through Illinois like hot knife through butter, I think if Trace McSorley plays the way that he did, that they're not going to do very well because they they had a lot of design passing plays that McSorley just chose to bail out of. And I don't believe it's because our freshman in the secondary was just blanketing their receivers. Yeah, I think it was uh, just... He just, a... chose, he just thought, you know what, I'll just take my five yards instead of risking a mistake throwing. So he only completed 12 passes. Yeah. And, and it's not like he needed to do more because they just gave the ball to Miles Sanders and just, you know... Like, he, he basically just kind of jogged behind this pile that was moving downfield. Well, those those one lanes are not going to be there for Sanders the same way they were against Illinois or other opponents against Ohio State. They're just not. It's a completely different animal on the defensive front. And Sanders obviously. looked really good between oh, the yeah, tackles. Oh, yeah, don't give me... I'm not trying... I mean, bet- between the tackles, he's looked very I'm good. I'm not trying to shortchange him. I'm just saying he's not going to find it nearly as easy in this game. The other thing, and we discussed this in the recap of the Penn State-Illinois game, as subscribers to our program will certainly remember... Um, slow starts for Penn State has been a little bit of a trend that we've seen here. You had it against Illinois, you had it against Kent State, you had it against Pitt. If you start slow against Ohio State, you might be down 21 or 28 points before you know what happens because of the way Dwayne Haskins and these receivers can score on you in an instant. And the Urban Meyer Buckeyes do not take the foot off the gas. You are not no. going to catch them napping late in the game. No, and it's it's not a question where, like I said, I mean... If Penn State, they've been a second half team recently under James Franklin, but this Ohio State team is too good for that. They're not going to let you reverse the script on them, outscore them by 35 in the fourth They quarter. do not like, often not get, happen. they do not often get comebacked upon. Yeah, because I mean, even if they start rolling depth out with Ohio State, if they get a big lead, it's not like there's much of a drop off, frankly. So this is not going to be a question where I think part of what we saw with Penn State pulling away late is other teams that don't have the depth aren't able to run with them for four quarters. Ohio State can, and they will. If Penn State starts slow, this game could be a bit of a laugher, you know, not in their favor. So and The thing is, Ohio State has played a team in TCU that I think is certainly, I don't know if they're going to hold up to, you know, how they were ranked at the beginning, but certainly probably a top 25 team. Right. A top team, you know, one of the top three or four teams in a major conference. Yes. Penn State has not been tested to this level. In fact, the biggest test for Penn State has come at the hands of Appalachian State. Oh, absolutely. And that was opening week. And then the other thing about having that TCU game under your belt if you're Ohio State is you've already seen a pretty good simulation of the type of weapons Penn State has. 
Penn State's better on, t- on paper. I don't think, I'm not trying to make that comparison, but having guys like Kevontae Turpin, Sean Robinson, guys who can do a lot of things, a system that uses them to the best of their ability, that's going to be good practice for this game that Penn State really hasn't had the equivalent of. Their, their hardest opponent so far this year has been Pitt, I guess, and we saw how that game went. Their offensive line has been, you know, much maligned offensive line has done well this year, but they have not seen anything that even compared. Like, you couldn't, if you took all of the best players from the first four teams Penn State played, they probably wouldn't crack the the three deep on Ohio State's defensive line. No, there's maybe, well, not even just the defensive line in particular, but if you want to talk about the defensive talent that Penn State's faced, or that, yeah, Penn State has faced in all their games so far, I don't know that there's more than three or four guys who make it onto the roster on Ohio State's defensive depth chart. So that's kind of the difference in what you've had and what you're going to see. So given that I think Ohio State's the better team, that they've already been tested a little bit more stiffly, do you think that's enough to overcome the advantage of Penn State being at home and also being a pretty good team? How do you see this game coming out? I kind of think that Ohio State is going to win it by at least a couple scores. I just... I'm just seeing much more evidence that Ohio State is half a tier above Penn State than that they're on even footing. I think four points is an easy margin to take. I agree. Um, I think it's probably something like seven to ten points. I do think it'll be a little closer than that. It's not, I mean, again, as much as we want to say Ohio State's been tested better, Penn State does have more talent than anyone else Ohio State has faced or will face. This should be the stiffest test that the Buckeyes have this season. You know, barring maybe we'll see where Michigan's at by the end of the season. So, anyway, I think we both have uh, Ohio State there, and there's some other games that are going on. A lot of really interesting games, and that's kind of the, you know, glass-half-full situation. The conference schedule this week is really one game and then four other game-shaped things. But around the, around the rest of the country, you've got a number of intriguing matchups. The first one that caught my eye was BYU at Washington. Yeah, this is... Food. <laughs> Sorry, a dog is on my lap now. Yeah, uh, BYU, it's really interesting because they haven't had a whole ton of data outside of that Wisconsin game, so you don't really know the extent to which, I mean, that was like represented like 99 percentile of what they're capable of, or if they Or is that more typical? Can they repeat that? And is Jake Browning legit or not? He's playing legit. I mean, Washington, to be honest... He really struggled since John Ross left. Well, sure, but the guys, you know... Even if he was a bust as a rookie, he was a deep threat, the likes of which you don't often see in college football. Um, and then he did go ahead and lose Dante Pettis the following year. So that being said, I mean, Washington still, they're the program in the Pac-12 right now. I think maybe the fact that still nobody knows much about them, that feels like that has contributed to the Pac-12's diminished profile. I think for some reason, whether it was USC or Stanford or Oregon, those teams seem to get more national attention than Washington has these last couple years. Part of that might be the fact that every time Washington gets involved in a high-visibility, high-profile game, they fall flat on their face to an extent. I would I don't know if I would call the Auburn game that because I think Auburn's a top-five team this year. But still, that was a big visibility moment, and they failed in it. That being said, this should still be a nice barometer for them in terms of where they are outside of the conference, because I think Washington is still the class of the Pac-12. We'll see how they measure up with Stanford. That'll be a good game when we get that. Uh, Texas Tech has snuck into the rankings and hosts West Virginia. West Virginia was kind of overlooked a little bit this year, but I think that they are the only real challenger to Oklahoma. Yeah, and you know, being as close to Macomb County as we are, we do have to pause and acknowledge a game in which both mascots will be armed. 
Um, oh, so. yes. <laughs> yeah, this, this is going to be... both uh, be packing. So the question will be musket versus dual pistols. Yeah, this should be a thrilling game to watch. Um, West Virginia, I think, is probably the better team. David Sills just catches touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Yeah, but again, this is a, a game where you're going to have two very capable quarterbacks running a couple of offenses that are a lot of fun to watch. Um, this is one you should probably catch. I don't know. Do we have a kick time for this yet? It's at Texas Tech. So they'll probably put it on that mountain time or central? That's central. All right, so that shouldn't be too bad. Um, looking elsewhere, if you want an SEC game that's going to be interesting, you've got South Carolina at Kentucky. South Carolina... Got some talk earlier this season as maybe a dark horse challenger to Georgia. Uh, they promptly went out and lost to Georgia in week two, so that talk quickly receded in the background. Now maybe we'll see if Kentucky can solidify themselves uh, as the main challenger in the SEC East, so you've got an interesting game there. And then we have, I think, the only top ten matchup this week. We don't see them every week even, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Stanford at Notre Dame. Stanford, of course, fresh fresh off of their daring like Dukes of Hazard style Escape from Altson with a win. Now they go to South Bend to check on the Fighting Irish, who, yes, you probably, your, your awareness of them this year has probably been, oh, lol, they beat Michigan and then they look like trash the next two weeks. Well, then last week against Wake Forest, a pretty good ACC team, Brian Kelly did what he always does, made his quarterback switch, and lo and behold, now with Ian Book at the, at the reins, they look much more dynamic. What do you see in that game that interests you? Well, that may be true. However, piss on Notre Dame. Roll trees. Okay, you have it, folks. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire.